Hello and welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast, the new writing night in podcast form. I'm your host, Natalie, and thank you for joining us for another two plays. Last week, I told you about some of the changes that we'd made to bring this season to you entirely remotely, but there's some of the special behind-the-scenes people I didn't quite get time to give a proper shout-out to last time, so now is their time. There's been about five times as much work involved in bringing this season to life than the previous two seasons, and I genuinely, genuinely would not have managed it without the help of a team of volunteer production assistants who helped me read and analyse plays and run the recording sessions amongst many, many other little tasks. So I want to give a huge heartfelt thank you to Natalie Barron, Natalie Chisholm, Victoria Taylor-Roberts, Molly Sweeney, Rosemary Lippard and Ellie Gill. And yes, there are a lot of Natalies involved in this production, and yes, I did actually consider just naming everyone Natalie and starting a cult. Anyway, later in the episode, we prep for an unusual wedding in Stephanie Weston's Can't Help Acting on Impulse, and I chat to Stephanie about building jokes and plot twists. But first, there are many ways to be seen, as two strangers discover the power of connection. John Maybe's To See and Be Seen features direction from Joseph Weiner, editing by Emily Shackleton, and stars Sally Walker-Taylor as Salome and Kay Alluvian as Rhea. Am I holding the blue marker? Bring it closer to your camera. Let me check. Um, yes? (laughs) You don't sound so sure. Sorry, you're right, uh, not blue. How about this one? Yeah, that's it. Blue. (laughs) Phew. I feel like I'm the sighted one here. I'm really sorry. I... It's okay. A joke. It's nice to joke sometimes. Well, I should let you go then. Is there anything else I can help you with today? Sorry, we're, we're supposed to ask that even if we weren't very helpful. Nope. I'm good. And you are. Helpful. Thank you. Are you okay? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, you know. um. (laughs) It's funny. Ever since I found this app, I never thought people would actually volunteer. You must have other things you could be doing right now. Something more fun than this? (laughs) I kind of like it. I mean, why does anyone volunteer? (laughs) Guilt, usually. I'm Salome, by the way. Rhea. She, her, hers. (laughs) Same. I don't think we're supposed to give any personal info on this thing. Maybe first names are okay. And pronouns. (laughs) And marker colour preferences. Your name. It suits you. Chose it when I transitioned. Means flowing. Some people say I, I don't sound like one. That's an awful thing to tell someone. It's probably just code. Folks use code to sound polite. Or, or just the opposite. You sound like one to me. <laughs> what does a Rhea sound like? <laughs> um, full of life. A little anxious? Maybe they always go together. I, I can't see you, remember? I don't know if you're smiling or sticking out your tongue. Sorry, I forget sometimes. <laughs> Most language is non-verbal. Once I started losing my sight, I realised how quiet everything got in a loud room. Wow. 
I never thought about. I swear, if you tell me I'm brave, I'm reporting you on this thing. Just imagine it. <laughs> well, thanks again. You saved my daughter from having a meltdown today. She's in her blue period. Just like Picasso. <laughs> awesome. Glad to help. Um, what's your face saying right now? Kind of staring off into space. But not like a Picasso. Um, it's actually been 32 weeks. Since you've been volunteering? Since I left my house. At all. Way before the rest of the world joined in. That's a long time. That's why I like the virtual. The more I showed the real world the real me, the less real I felt inside it. Sometimes I wonder if I'd just started sooner. Let everyone get to know me, Rhea, when I was younger. Maybe it's too late now. I lost it. Lost what? My chance. When folks look at me now, there's too many ghosts of who they remember and, and not who they see. How do you... Lots of delivery. And I talk to a ton of different people on this thing every day. What about friends? Family? People stop asking after a while. Especially when they don't get what you need. Well, I get it. I think. Anyway, I'm unique in my family too. I spend a lot of time educating, re-educating, and it's exhausting. <laughs> or explaining something they saw in the news. Yes, or assuming I need help with everything when I don't. It makes it that much harder when I actually do. It's why I like this app. It's just easier with a stranger. Salome, what would you say to a stranger who did need help? Wasn't sure what, what to even ask for. Hmm. Well, I, I guess I'd follow my instincts. One night, Kara couldn't sleep. She watched something that I, I only turned off after I heard the score. You know what kind of movie it is that way. There's always a soundtrack, even in real life. And now she couldn't sleep because she was afraid there'd be something in the darkness hovering over her bed. So... I made up this fairy tale, basically that spirits are everywhere, all the time. And just like people, some are good and some are more complicated. Did it help? <laughs> Metaphors and allegories are lost on preschoolers, so no. Ghostly spirits are still enemy number one. But she does tell me whenever something doesn't feel right, so there's that. I used to read them fairy tales. Oh. D did you want me to tell you the... No, no, of course not. That'd be silly. There once lived a girl named Kiki, who spent her days in the most outer reaches of space, far beyond any visible planets that our telescopes on Earth could see. Fairy tales aren't set in space. Do you want to hear this or not? Sorry. <laughs> And Kiki lived there with her space cats in a special colony where... I actually don't like cats. Maria. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> Every day, before taking their afternoon naps, the cats would go about the daily routine. 
bathing, hunting for food, bathing, territory rumbles, bathing, and then the pre-nap walkabout. Kiki would join them, but as the only human, there were things Kiki couldn't do. She couldn't fall from great heights and land gracefully on her feet. She couldn't purr. She couldn't run at great speeds. And she also couldn't see everything they did. Cats are notorious for seeing things that no human possibly could. It's freaky when they stare at nothing. Exactly. Or at least nothing we can see. So one night, as Kiki slept in her space cabin, she was awoken by a feeling that something was nearby, watching. So she turned on the light and couldn't see a thing. But still, the feeling remained. The cats, Kiki. Go get the cats. Yes. So Kiki went to her best kitty friend and had her investigate. Sure enough, the kitty looked in the same direction as Kiki did before. <laughs> I knew Kiki wasn't crazy. But the kitty didn't attack it. Instead, she curled up in a ball and took a nap on Kiki's bed. Good for nothing cats. No, it was a good thing. Kitty was able to see what she couldn't. But not all ghosts are bad. And that was the point for my daughter. Everyone's ghosts are different. Mine all go by a dead name. Mine could check expiration dates on food or find blue markers without an app. But it's always been me, no matter what people see when they look at me now. You make me want to read more fairy tales. <laughs> it's what I love about them. The meaning is always fluid, changing. I should let you go. I've been keeping you as long as you've been keeping me. Who knows? Maybe the next time you call for some help, we'll be matched up again. Yeah, who knows? So, uh, goodbye, Salome. Goodbye, Rhea. Is there anything else I can help you with today? Hello, uh, my name is John Maybe, and my pronouns are he, they. Hi, John. Welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. It's fantastic to have you. Um, and slight apologies to people listening for the drop in my audio quality. We've had some technical issues, so I'm having to be on my, my headset microphone, but that doesn't matter. We're here to talk about you. Could you please tell us about yourself and your writing background? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I had a bit of a non-traditional route to playwriting. I've always written since I was young, since I was very young. I've been, I've been writing uh, plays and, and weird types of screenplays ever since I was a child. But <laughs> I, I didn't think I was the kind of person that could just become a playwright. I didn't know any writers and it didn't seem like that was a career or something I could do. So I chose other avenues in life that spoke to my skills. I, I've always loved talking to people. Uh, I'm, I'm good with, with uh, listening to people and people come to me um, when they have problems and I realized I should be a counselor. Ah. So, I, yeah, so I, I went to school for that. I got a master's in professional counseling uh, and it was wonderful. But as I continued to work as a counselor and in that capacity, I was still writing. 
Uh, mm -hmm. But what was, what was wonderful was that my counseling background made my writing even richer. And so eventually I just made the decision, I, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to write. To go back to, to see and be seen, I'd like to learn a bit more about Be My Eyes because it's a real app that Rhea and Salome are using, isn't it? Yes, yeah. And what's so wonderful is oftentimes there's 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 negative aspects to technology and, and social media, and it's nice to explore some of the positive aspects of mm. it. Uh, and I have friends who are visually impaired, and I was a bit familiar with what this was. And then I saw uh, someone mention this technology on a TV show. And I'm like, oh, so it, it's sort of becoming a bit more popularized. Like it, people are becoming more aware of this of this type of technology. And then I, in my, my mind, I, Sunday morning, I was having breakfast with my husband and we were just sitting there and I said, I, I've been having these characters in my head that can exist in this world using this app. And I went to my office right away and just started writing and this play poured out. But what was nice was these two characters had been in my mind, but they, they were sort of just there uh, waiting for the right time to come out on the page. Were they in your mind together as a duologue or were they separate characters that were in your head that you were like, oh, wait, they would fit so well together? Yeah, I, I think it's wonderful when when that happens, when you have different characters and you say, I'm going to pair you two together and it's going to be amazing. But no, I had an image of these two characters, these two specific characters, especially because of this this really weird time in the world of, of 2020 and, mm -hmm. and social isolation and quarantining. I, I, I first imagined the character of Rhea and, and her life and how that impacts her, this moment of some social isolation before the rest of the world then joined in mm. uh, because of this global pandemic. And then I had the image of Salome's being this character that she would pair with in a very unexpected way. And I like pairing unexpected people together because I think that really mirrors real life. Yeah. I'd like to talk about the, the characters and delve into them a little bit more, actually. So Rhea and Salome, they're very kind and empathetic with each other, but their conversations point to their wider experiences, quite exasperating experiences dealing with cisgendered and sighted people and sometimes having to re-educate them. And in turn... I suppose you could consider the play could be considered as a learning tool for audiences who have little direct experience communicating with, specifically in this case, transgender or blind people, but it could apply to non-binary, genderqueer, deaf or disabled people too, or by extension, anyone who experiences the world differently to yourself. Uh, so with that big idea <laughs> I've just <laughs> waffled on about in mind uh, this idea of um, plays being useful to enlighten and inform and educate audiences um, I think you've done a wonderful job of letting the characters truthfully share their experiences in a way that mm. might enlighten an audience but it, it doesn't feel like like a, a preachy education play like it's a real <laughs> uh, experience with real characters just kind of sharing their truth it doesn't feel patronizing do you as a writer did you have that in mind do you have any thoughts on, on how to maintain this balance well thank you and it really is a balance and I think you said that so beautifully uh yeah it's absolutely a balance where 
when when I go to the theater, I I don't want someone to be didactic and to be teaching me something. Mm -hmm. I just want to experience a story and get wrapped up in these characters' lives. And so I definitely had that in mind as I was writing. And I feel when you are writing about, and I, I feel privileged to have in my life characters who are absolutely minorities uh, in a broader sense. And also when it comes to characters on stage, I, I, I rarely see trans characters on stage or characters who are visually impaired. And so it's a, a real privilege to write these characters specifically um, and also to be sharing a bit of their life, which in some ways does educate, but uh, I think in a much broader way, I wanted to show these characters existing mm -hmm. and just living their lives and connecting uh, beyond a label. Fantastic. Thank you so much, John. I've had a wonderful time. Thank you too. I have the best time talking to our writers and I always learn so much as well. And John was no exception for this. He's finding a lot of success at the moment with online productions and play readings. And there's a list of where you can see and hear his work in the show notes, either in America or online. And that includes Theatre 3's production of John's The End is Just the Beginning, which is available to watch right now on YouTube. So go and check all those links out. Kay Alluvian, who played Rhea, has a new audiobook out soon. The Road to Hell by Christopher C. Starr. Keep an ear out for it on Audible by the end of the year. She'll also be appearing in B7 Media's next Victorian Ghost Stories anthology collection. If you haven't checked B7 Media out before, do go have a look as they produce some fantastic works of audio fiction, particularly in the sci-fi and horror genres, so I can't wait to hear Kay's contribution to that collection. Jess Nesling, who is starring in our next piece, plays the lead in an audio drama podcast, Ronnie and Arwen, playing a Northwellian lass who loves a bit of adventure. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. For D&D fans, over the last four weeks, I have been appearing in a four-part campaign with Roll Together called Theros, Legends of the Underworld, based on a loose D&D version of Ancient Greece. It's been streamed on Twitch Tuesday nights, and the series has now finished, but you can catch up with it on YouTube. And they have different campaigns running Mondays and Tuesdays on twitch.tv slash rolltogether and twitch.tv slash D&D. So if you want to learn about how role-playing games can tell their own improvised stories then do go check that out. Finally, the Uncanny Collective are specialists in theatre and audio that is all things spooky and horror-related. One of the core group is actress Sarah Lynham, who is also appearing later in this series in an appropriately spooky piece. The Uncanny Collective are holding an online Christmas ghost story festival called Warnings to the Curious. So if my chat with Jane Morris last week about M.R. James and festive ghost stories piqued your interest, then this is the perfect thing for you. I'm delighted to be joining the lineup, reading a new ghost story, Baby It's Cold Inside, written by Ragged Scratch returning writer Rhiannon Owens. The festival runs 16th to the 20th of December on Zoom and tickets are available now and... As ever, links to everything, absolutely everything I've just mentioned are in the show notes. On to our second play this episode. It's Amy's wedding day and best friend Laura is there to help her get ready. But maybe Amy has always been a bit too hasty in her decisions. 
Can't Help Acting on Impulse was written by Stephanie Weston, directed and edited by Lorraine Ansell, and features performances by Jess Nesling as Amy and Stephanie Cannon as Laura. Can't Help Acting on Impulse carries a content warning for moderate to strong swearing sprinkled throughout. Have you nicked my impulse? Your what? Body spray. Worried you smell? No, I'm not worried. I'm already wearing three layers of deodorant. I just want a beautiful aroma for when I arrive at the church. I think it would be so romantic if he could smell me before he can see me. That's also why I slept wrapped in cling film last night. I think you might get your wish. I read this thing in You're a Bride magazine. It temporarily disables your sweat glands. Allegedly, Kate Middleton swears by it. But Kate Middleton doesn't sweat. Exactly. She has it flown in from a factory in Peru. The cling film is wider there, you see. Presumably for wrapping up llama leftovers. Amy, we need to talk. (laughs) I don't have time. The hairdresser's due in five minutes. I've got a genetically recalcitrant fringe, and we've got to leave for the church by twelve. It's just that you seem jittery. (laughs) Who isn't jittery on their wedding day? I'm worried you're making a mistake. Ugh. Here we go again. Amy, you only met him a couple of months ago. He isn't some casual hookup on Tinder. This is the real thing. And anyway, as Araminta Montgomery says, working alongside someone is the best way to get to know them. You weren't, strictly speaking, working alongside him, though, were you? He was sent to assassinate you. You've never liked Dimitri. I just think you've been rather hasty. And who the fuck is Araminta Montgomery? She writes these quizzes in You're a Bride. Are you a thong or granny knickers? Or what your venue says about your personality? St. George's Chapel or Little? Little? What fucker gets married in Little? And can I just say, I think you've been very unsupportive of the whole wedding. You're chief bridesmaid. the only bridesmaid. Chief bridesmaid, and you didn't seem to give a damn about the planning. Ah, that's not fair. How about the wedding favours? You called them pointless pieces of crap that reinforced the patriarchal system of matrimony. Yeah, because what better way to prevent your clutch bag from closing than with a stone with a bride and groom's name printed on it? It's a tradition. Goes a long way back. Uh, That's what Stonehenge is then, is it? The site of an ancient British wedding where nobody could be fucked to take their stones home with them afterwards. It would just have been nice if you'd shown an interest. It's not like anyone put a gun to your head. You could have done. We're all issued with one. You wouldn't even help me sort out the sugared almonds last night. I'd just flown back from retiring a rogue agent in Albania. I was too fucking knackered to sit and write a quote from a Shakespearean sonnet on each of the bastards. You just don't understand my feelings, do you? He's the one. You found him, hiding in your wardrobe, wearing a ski mask. (sighs) He had lovely eyes. If he hadn't got that call through from his boss at the last moment terminating the operation, Jesus! Uh, That's not true! We had an instant rapport! You think you had an instant rapport? No. I know. How? You did a quiz, didn't you? From your bride. You actually made him sit down and do the quiz. Did he at least take his ski mask off? Eventually. What do you really know about him? 
He likes carnations rather than lilies. He prefers beach holidays to hiking. Oh, he'd rather go to a fancy dress party as a Komodo dragon than Michael Gove. <laughs> Not from the quiz. In real life. I know he's from a remote mountain region of Algatistan. Algatistan? That isn't even a country. It so is. How the fuck did you pass your MI6 exams? In their culture, if a man likes a woman, he draws a moustache on her with a felt-tip pen. Uh, I've heard it all now. Amy, you need to stop this while you can. Think it through, just a little. Hmm. Hmm. What time is it? Nearly... Uh, nearly ten past. Hmm. Not got long left. <laughs> Did you put it back in my bag? Um, what? The impulse spray? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. <clears throat> so you did use it then? Yeah. Is that a problem? Only for you. Why? <clears throat> Doesn't it work? Oh, it works all right. It's just that it takes about five minutes and isn't body spray. What the fuck? Araminta recommends cutting unhelpful people who dislike your groom or arrangements out of your plans. A. Uninvite them. B. Stick them on a table at the back. Or C. Kill them. And by the way, I aced all my MI6 exams. Hello, I'm Stephanie Weston, pronouns being she, her. Lovely to have you. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing background? I'm a professional actress, first and foremost. Um, have been for, well, many years now. And I do a lot of comedy work. I um, run uh, an improvised comedy company in Bristol called Instant Wit. I'm co-artistic director of that. And, well, I was going to say I perform with them regularly. I did <laughs> until <laughs> everything happened this year. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do a lot of that. And I've been writing for uh, not as long as I've been acting, but I've uh, various bits and pieces, stage mainly i suppose a bit of audio work out of the things that you have written obviously a lot of the stuff i suppose if you're working with an improv troupe then actually your favorite thing might be something that was devised on the spot but do you have a favorite piece or performance that you've written or created before i very much like i have a soft spot for the first proper attempt to write for radio to write for the afternoon drama slot mm. uh, which was a piece called good neighbors which I, I, I remember seeing a documentary about Marie Curie and really wanting to write about her. She's such an inspiring woman and she's mm. Polish and I'm half Polish and everything. And I really wanted to write about her. And then I realised I knew absolutely nothing about physics or chemistry. <laughs> so I wrote about her next door neighbour instead, um, which seemed that. like a good compromise. And Marie Curie, she's in the play a lot. She comes in and out, but it's a comedy, obviously. And I, I was really happy 
with that. I thought it it, it was quite a, a nice piece. I, I felt content when I finished it, which you don't mm. always, of course. So coming back to Can't Help Acting on Impulse, yeah. uh, there's some fantastic one-liners in there. Absolutely. Like particularly concerning Araminta's advice, oh, um, yes. which I thought was hilarious. Do you have a process for pulling out comedy in this way? Um, for example, do you have the idea for the joke and build around that? Or do you focus on the characters and see what comes out? I suppose it's the latter really. I knew I wanted to write something about a couple of women getting ready on the wedding day of one of them, mm. you know, the morning of the wedding and the preparations. And um, then I thought, well, let's have a twist on this and let's have them as agents. Mm. And then the ending, I, I sort of felt that came to me quite quickly. Then I just wrote it really. I, I just thought of the, the humour as I went along. But I think there's, I think the preparations for a wedding and all the the stuff that couples now feel they have to have mm-hmm. that's quite fertile ground for humor oh yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> though it is a fun comedy piece there's certainly points of view mm. in there on the institution of marriage and gossip magazines that uh, that definitely come yeah. through what's the worst bit of advice you've ever seen in a gossip magazine I don't know if, if that, I mean, I, I wish I had one clear cut bit of advice to give you, like, you know, uh, make sure you take your pet tarantula on your first date with you or something, which would be, you know, fairly appalling advice, take Timmy in a jam jar to the cocktail yeah. bar. Uh, but I haven't seen anything quite that bad. I think probably, maybe magazines are actually getting a bit better these days and they're more, they're still trying to sell you stuff, obviously, but more into mm-hmm. um, female empowerment so to speak in inverted commas mm-hmm. um oddly enough though the one bit in the piece which is about um the algatistani custom algatistan not existing yes. of a, a man drawing a moustache on a woman's face with a sharpie um there was something many many years ago i read in a magazine about um to make yourself look quirky if you're dressing um in a sort of a vaguely masculine style is to draw on a little moustache which I thought seemed on, on your own face oh. which I thought seemed strange I mean you know uh, it, it's very odd because of course there is this argument about um, you know should women get rid of their facial hair or whatever but this actually did seem a bit bizarre it had to be said to draw it on your own face I've never seen anyone doing the it, whole so. the whole kind of premise and instruction of to make yourself seem quirky just like it just plays into as well this whole um i like if if a woman has a personality beyond being warm and smiley very often she's categorized as either quirky or weird or aggressive kind of thing like quirky is just one of those terms you don't get absolutely it doesn't get applied to men no very often no no absolutely so i thought that was that was strange not necessarily i mean you know yeah if you want to draw a mustache on your face draw one on i don't mind you know knock yourself out it's not a bad <laughs> well, thing or, or a good yeah. thing it's, 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 a, it's a sort of neutral thing but it, it yes it's this whole thing about to look quirky draw this on um forced and you have a personality yes then then you will have a personality but not oddly enough if you're wearing a dress only if you're wearing trousers it seemed to be the thing which was very odd how how long ago was this oh many years ago now i was at university when i when i got the magazine so um i think it's it's sort of off its time probably right i hope anyway (laughs) 
dear me. Okay, so there's the Instant Wit Facebook page and presumably Twitter account as well. And yes, yeah. yes, at Instant Wit, that is the Twitter account which I run, and that's sort of you know what what um, the company's doing and what uh, the actors within the company are doing. And do you have your own sort of online space if people wanted particularly to um, see more of your work or is it all done through Instant Wit? I have an Instagram thing, which is Stephanie underscore Western, in which again, I put bits and bobs up there. Um, so it's that, and I've got my own Facebook page as well. So it's a combination of all those put together really. Um, I. I don't know whether I should have a, a website or not. I sort of, it's one of those things you toy with. And my son once said to me, oh, no, no one will look at it. Don't bother. So <laughs> put me off. Fair enough. Well, um, I will make sure to link all of those in the show notes. So if anyone wants to get in touch or see any of Instant Wit's work, then they can do that. Thank you so much, Stephanie. Oh, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks again to Stephanie, Lorraine, Jess and Stephanie for Can't Help Acting on Impulse and to all of our creatives this week. And thank you again for listening. The Ragged Scratch podcast brought to you by Ragged Falls Productions was produced and hosted by Natalie Winter. Play edits by Emily Shackleton and Lorraine Ansell. Episode edits by Natalie Winter. The Ragged Scratch podcast theme music was composed by Alex Jones. You can find us online at Ragged Foils across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, where we've been tagging this week's creative so you can find out more about them and their work. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting us with a donation on coffee.com forward slash Ragged Foils. All donations will go back into making the podcast as best we can. Tell your friends about us so more people can enjoy and celebrate audio plays, and we'll see you next week.